0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. I was calling about Unum Group, ticker symbol U-N-M. I own a small amount. I wanted to know if it's worth buying more or just selling. Just see what you guys think, thanks. And provides unbiased answers.
1: It is the largest domestic disability insurer. I like it, I, I wouldn't be selling it, I would uh, potentially buy more here especially if you think interest rates will continue to rise
0: invest talk over 37 million downloads and counting across america and around the world your participation makes it unique Eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart
2: this podcast is produced by kpp financial steve peasley president KPP Financial, independent thinking, shared success. And now today's
1: podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, January 3rd, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. Yes, happy new year. We started off the year in markets uh, on a positive note. And we're going to dig into that here in a little bit. But let me give you uh, my sense of uh, this year and what you should expect. Well, first is uh, a different market stimulus, both on the fiscal and monetary side are are waning. Uh, And that doesn't necessarily mean bad things in aggregate, but it can mean uh, bad things for certain types of assets, certain areas of the market. Uh, and a transition. And that's what we're, we've started to see. And in, in, as you've seen a lot of the popular shutdown stocks uh, reversing. Um, and inflation kind of marching on. And uh, energy and commodities continues to do fairly well. And so that's just a, <clears throat> a quick, very quick synopsis. Obviously, the market is uh, very diverse. And there's a lot going on. Uh, But that's what I'm here to help you with, help you optimize your strategy, your portfolio, going into a a different year. understand that oftentimes uh, the year prior is very different than the year ahead, and you need to be prepared for that. And I want to help you stay the course of your strategy. Just because the market's shifting doesn't mean that you need to make wholesale changes. Maybe you do. But for the mo- most people, it's just making minor adjustments, rebalancing. And that's why I'm here to help you, help guide you, give you the perspective and the data to help you make good decisions. And your decision may be different than your neighbor's decision, your cousin's decision, and your brother's decision, and your aunt's decision. Everyone's situation is a little bit different. So I am here to give you the tools and be one outlet to help you become a better investor. That's my goal for 2022. It's always my goal. But hey, why not reassert that? Why not give you some understanding of why we are here? So on today's podcast, I'm I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. And my end goal is to help you build a comfortable financial future, financial freedom. And so whether I'm talking about a particular strategy, a particular stock or a sector, I'm here to give you all without bias, just give you the facts as I see them, a lot of data in front of me, and then 20 plus years of investment experience. I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show. So I encourage you to interact with me right now during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, that's fine too. I know a lot of you are. Leave questions on our anytime voice bank. That number is always 888-99-CHART either way. So let's get right to our first listener question now.
0: My name's Steven Jenga, I'm out of Charleston, South Carolina, and I had a couple questions about ticker symbols, EAD, ERH, just a couple of bond type Wells Fargo approaches on my portfolio, they have monthly dividends, what do y'all think about the return, I know that the PE ratio is a little high, I just wanted to see if that's an inflation hedge or if that's uh, something I should keep my eye on, thanks for all y'all do. You sold me on the Dave Brubeck Take Five playlist on my Paul's uh, YO Got me to this message. Have a
2: great day, y'all.
1: All right, looking at a couple of closed-end funds. So not ETS, but they're closed-end funds. One is ERH, which is the All Springs Utility and High Income Fund, and this is as as it, as it says is very heavily focused on utilities 99% of the holdings are utilities and it yields about 6% but the way that it does that is it has leverage so 16% leverage here it's let me look at its cost its expense ratio is about a little over 1% 1 1.09% which is kind of high That's approaching what uh, our average client pays so you're paying a high amount of um, high fee for this Uh, and you're basically this is a leverage play on utilities so if you're looking for utility exposure and you're you're very bullish on utilities which i think uh, for the first half of this year especially i think utilities will do relatively well then this is not a bad place to go. So uh, make sure you don't have uh, overlap with uh, with the utility sector and other assets that you have. Understand this is a very leveraged bet on utilities. The other is EAD, All Springs Income Opportunity. And this one spreads it out a bit more. And it looks like it has a good amount of bonds. So this is 95% bonds. So this is very different. You're talking about, lower risk on the equity scale, which is still relatively high risk when it comes to utilities. And then this one is all about bonds and corporate bonds. It looks like primarily here. Let me take a look real quick. Yeah. Yeah. 96% corporate bonds and relatively low quality B. So junk rated. And this is also using leverage. A lot of these closed end funds that pay dividends monthly or even quarterly, they're using a lot of leverage. And that's fine, but understand that risk. So high yield bonds are already on the higher end of the risk spectrum when it comes to bonds now still lower risk than utilities, but you're using a lot of leverage there. And so I'm going to, I'm going to pass on, on this one, I rather own the utilities one. Uh, and this one has a EAD has a 1.29% expense ratio, even higher. So if I'm picking one or the other, I'm picking ERH, but make sure there's not an overexposure to the utility sector. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. More millennials are renting because they have to. A recent study found that high-earning millennials submitted 39% of all rental apartment applications in 2021, the largest share in five years. So we're going to look at that And what that means for the first time home buyer market and just the millennial generation as a whole, which is becoming the largest cohort of the population as baby boomers retire and the older ones, uh, unfortunately uh, die off. So uh, then we're going to look at some economic trends that will define 2022 look at those and then cryptocurrency regulations. How's that going to evolve this year? And then, lastly, the Fed: new members coming on board for 2022 from the Kansas City, St. Louis, Cleveland, and Boston branches of the Federal Reserve, and that could mean that's going to mean a shift in dovishness or hawkishness, and we're going to look at what that might mean as well. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. But ultimately, I want to hear what is on your mind. But let's check in on the markets today the first day trading day of the year you had a positive move in stocks but very negative in the the treasury market you had the 10 year up 11 basis points that's a big move up to 1.628% at the close today you had the uh, the 30 year also up uh, about a little over 11 basis points to over 2% 2.01% and the good thing is the yield curve steepened a, a, a bit, and that's positive. That's a positive indication for the overall economy when the yield curve steepens like that. So that's a positive. And you had the S&P up 30 points, so about two-thirds of 1%. And then if you look at the NYSE, that was up 61 points, so about a half a percent, about 30% there. So a, a modest positive day to start the year. I, I do think we'll, we'll probably trend positively for most of the, the first quarter. Uh, now, I think it's when you get in the second quarter uh, when you start to potentially hit some more volatility. But hey, you never know what happens with the Build Back Better plan. Does that uh, advance further? I think the fact that that is uh, been slow to go to pass. I think it's been positive overall because you do have higher interest or sorry, sorry, higher taxes that would come along with that, most likely. Clearly, there's still a lot of negotiations there. Uh, more regulation on prices for prescription drugs. Uh, certainly more spending, which will ha- help the consumer, but overall that would have to eventually feed into the corporate sector and immediately that would take out of the corporate sector with higher taxes so i think that uh, is the fact that that's still on the back burner is uh, an overall net positive for the markets if that passes i think that would change the dynamics uh, in the market but we'll see as we go through the first quarter now we're moving into a short break the new year has begun you must have a question or two so give me a call 888-99-CHART
0: The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes. I have a question for you about Amazon. So your questions keep coming. I have
1: a question about PE ratios.
0: And that's okay because Steve Peasley and Justin Klein specialize in unbiased guidance.
1: If I'm looking at a dividend company, I'm looking for consistency of earnings and dividends. Your standard daily chart typically goes back one year.
0: No question is too simple. I wanted to ask about Teladoc. And each question is an important part of the podcast. My wife has a role over 401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is eligible to be used to do
1: a backdoor Roth. Steve and Justin are fearless.
2: That's fairly inexpensive
1: for this kind of explosive growth. The problem here is that you're picking a leveraged ETF.
0: Tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk. You've been instrumental in my understanding how this market works. Don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes, and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hello, this is Micah from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and I had a question regarding Somero Enterprise Inc sticker symbol S O M. I was just curious on your thoughts on this uh, on the company as a whole and just curious what your thoughts are on the dividend that it pays. Thank you very much. And uh, looking forward to the answer on the show.
1: SOMERO. Okay. S O M E R O. S O M E R O. Interesting. I need to get, this is on the London exchange and I don't have a lot of information here. And that is my issue is uh these foreign exchange stocks are always uh difficult to really got get a lot of information on. Relatively small company, you're looking at uh yeah, mid-cap uh, or small cap company, thirty uh, thirty billion dollar market cap. That's actually pretty high. At least that's what my information is looking at. They're in the industrial space. Provides advanced concrete placing solutions. Interesting. Okay. I think that is uh, an area that as governments around the world look to spend and stimulate and fiscal dominates as a uh, government debt levels um, across the world, which I'll talk about a little later, continue to, to go higher. I think governments are going to have to spend and that is a good thing for this type of company and their return on equity return on assets uh is very high in the mid to high 20s on average over the last decade and so I like that it's hard for me to tell based on the current data I think that 30 billion seems a little high I don't know if that's actually accurate um so I can't really give you a sense of valuation whether this is cheap or not um, but I do like the longer-term profitability metrics that I'm seeing, which is very important when you're when you're looking at a company from a long-term perspective. You want to know that they can earn above-average profits, uh, and the chart is strong. Uh, it's very it's it's in a in a bull phase, and so I'm going to give this a thumbs up um, as long as the valuation is is in in line. I can't really tell that, like I said, um, with the data, but the profitability metrics are. Fantastic. Now we're heading into a break, and I'm ready to answer your questions. Whatever is on your mind, I know 2022 is probably bringing a lot uh, to your mind of what to consider, what to think about, how to make changes to your portfolio, to your strategy. I'm here. So give me a call at 888 99 Chart.
0: invest talk is here to help and when you download the free invest talk podcasts don't forget to rate and review the phone lines are open
1: 888-99-CHART let's go to jeffrey in el paso looking at dxc technology you own it or looking to buy it hi um
0: i've been looking at it on my watch list um has a pretty low PE for being a technology company. I was wondering if you think it's a value trap or if it has some decent potential.
1: Well, what I call this a val or a technology company, probably not. I would, I would think of this more as a consult, a consultant. And that's basically what they do. It's a independent IT, uh, service provider, uh, vendor. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's a combination of computer sciences and Hewlett Packard enterprises. Uh, it's, so it's more on the services side. Uh, it's pretty large, uh, market cap of about 8.4 billion. Revenue is in decline. So that's kind of an issue here. Although profits over the last couple of quarters have definitely improved. If you look at its profitability longer term, it's really all over the board. There's no consistency to it. They definitely have a decent amount of financial leverage, and I think that's the issue: negative free cash flow trailing twelve months. And yeah, so you know, I I I don't think uh, I don't like the longer term trends here. Uh, now technically, it's starting to get a bit of strength but it did peak back in August and remains in a downtrend. So, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this, especially how inconsistent their long-term track record has been. So I'm passing on DXC technology. Let's go to George in Washington State, looking at KKR. Hi, hello.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're here.
0: Uh, Hi, this is George from Washington. I'm uh, considering taking position in KKR.
1: Okay. What uh? What do you what do you like uh, about KKR? What's like your KKR? what's yeah, attracting you to it? In
0: addition to the insurance companies and financials, and uh, I kind of seen their uh, ROI was pretty good. The return was pretty good. The numbers looked pretty decent to start. Um, so their uh, uh, return on investment was like forty-seven. Return on equity was thirty-four. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a decent growth rate. But I'm kind of worried if I'm not a little bit too late because they pretty much grew up really well last year.
1: Okay. So this is KKR and Company. This is a global alternative asset management company. So this is going to be highly levered to the uh, the investment cycle, the asset cycle. It's going to do very well when asset prices are doing well. And it's going to struggle uh, if asset prices struggle. So this is a very leveraged play on... Um, asset prices more broadly. Now they manage about $459 billion as of the end of September of last year. And it's two two core segments, asset management. So private markets, private equity, credit, infrastructure, energy, real estate, uh, public markets, hedge funds, etc. And they also have an insurance branch and they, uh, so so they're well diversified in in, in that sense uh, but still they're going to be mainly driven by their AUM which is 42 percent of their revenue and 67 percent of base management fees so this is a lot about management fees uh, when it comes to all of their their activity uh, but they're in long term they're Return equity is average is probably in the, the high teens, the low 20% range. So I think right now they're over earning return equity right now is 42%, but longer term that's, that's, that's on the high, high side. So I don't think that's going to be maintained. Now revenues are increasing dramatically and does look relatively cheap in that sense. Um, but I would look at the chart here, which looks to be weakening now, it's still an uptrend, and it's above the 100-day moving average. If it breaks that, I think there's going to be some broader problems here. Uh, so I, I, once again, I think it's over-earning at this point, And I think a lot of those numbers are going to start to inflect negatively. doesn't mean it's a bad investment longer term, but it's just not a great time uh, to be getting into KKR. Uh, our value is closer to $65. Now it's at 73 So I would say it's about uh, 10 10 to 12% overvalued, so I would be patient on KKR. Let's go to Jay in Missouri, looking at FIW.
0: Hey, uh, thanks for taking the call. Uh, A long-time listener of the show, just kind of wanted your take on FIW. I'm looking to maybe add more to my position. I read an article recently that actually water was one of the best-performing sectors uh, over the long haul uh, that is non-tech. And, uh, like I said, just kind of wanted your take on it. And, and, uh, if it's in your opinion, uh, I'm looking to add, and is that a wise move? Uh, thank you for taking the call. I enjoy listening to you.
1: Appreciate it. Now this is, uh, at first water ETF and, This is a company that, or sorry, this is an ETF that is uh, mainly focused on utilities and industrials, uh, mainly industrials, 58% here industrials, 23% utilities, 11% healthcare. So there's a little bit of um, overlap in the industrial space. So I wouldn't say this is a pure play water ETF. That's why you wanna look at the underlying positions and understand exactly what you're investing in. But uh, I like it overall. Uh, it is a little bit on the let me take, take a look at the fees here. Yeah, the expense ratio is 0.54 percent. It's a little high, but I do like the space. Um, I wouldn't have it more than probably five to seven percent of your portfolio, uh, but I like it overall. Now we're going into a break. I'm ready to take your questions at 88899 chart. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com, that's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com, HackerOne.com. Your objective is to work hard,
0: plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and
1: investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. More millennials are renting because they have to. Now, this is based on a study by Rent Cafe. They analyzed 5.9 million rental applications from RentGrow, Inc spanning 40,000 apartment communities. And what they found was that high earning millennials, those that are earning more than 50,000 a year, which I don't know if that, I I live in Southern California, so 50,000 is not high earning around here, but maybe that is in the Midwest. But those high earning millennials, quote unquote, submitted 39% of all rental applications in 2021, the largest share in five years. And, Millennials aren't the only ones that are taking to renting a lot more, but their total share of applications grew by 20% year over year. Gen Xers grew by 12% and baby boomers grew by 7%. Those that also all earned over 50,000 years. So the high earning from those different demographics. And they found that they're favoring smaller cities those with under 300,000 in population. Of the top 15 cities, 11 were small, three were medium-sized, so 300 to 600, and one was large, so over 600. So the greatest year-over-year growth in rental applications was 83%. That was in Macon, Georgia, population of only 153,000. And what it shows you is that even not it's not just home buyers that are moving out of the city centers and into kind of gateway cities it is the renters as well and it makes a lot of sense because if you've never lived in a particular area maybe not not everyone's going to want to buy in that region maybe they want to rent see if they like it don't tie themselves to a particular city or, or, or region until they know what they like, what neighborhood they want to be in. Do they want to maybe try out a different city? And millennials are that way, especially those that can work remotely. Oftentimes, simply moving around. I, I have millennial friends that quit their job, not quit their job, excuse me, kept their job uh, working remotely and didn't renew their lease. And what are they doing? Well, they're popping around to Airbnbs across the country. Two weeks here, a week there, a month there. And that's how they are living. They don't have a permanent residence. There's some people that are doing that as well. And so the fact that more are are renting, maybe they they don't have the down payment. Maybe they uh, just simply are waiting. And that just shows there's more fuel to the fire. When it comes to housing prices in these gateway cities. And more and more people will be moving out of the large city centers. So when it comes to investing in real estate, if any of you are out there looking to invest in real estate, you really need to understand the immigration demographics of the region. Because over the longer term, that's going to be. Far more impactful than probably anything to moving prices within that particular region. Are more and more people moving in, meaning more and more people making money to pay for rents, to pay for mortgages, etc. And ultimately, that what, that's what matters. Will that create an oversupply or undersupply of housing units? All that will play a big factor. So, interesting statistics and shedding some light on an area that not a lot of people are talking about. It's the rental market, which is important. Now, from time to time, we receive email questions, and here's one now from Daniel in Germany. It says, I'm considering to buy some stock in Danaher. Stock already had a major run. I did not come back below the 200-day moving average for some time now. What would be the price suggestion to buy? This is Danaher, DHR. This is one of the best performing industrial names under the radar. Most people have never heard of and we've owned it in the past for clients, but currently I do think it is uh, pretty overvalued. It's trading at 35 times forward earnings, which is pretty expensive and had a rough day today. Actually down a dollar 28 down. That would be down 4% on the day. And Once again, it's just trading at high multiples. Uh, Let's look at the, let me pull up some data here. Enterprise value to EBITDA right now is 25. And historically, you know, it hit 30 back in 2020. But it is, it's pretty overvalued. Longer term, I'd like to see it closer to the mid-teens. It's five-year average is between 14 and 31. And, sorry, that's the range. The average is 22 Now we're at 24 um, Our value is closer to $200 per share. Now it's at $315. So I would take a, a pass on Danaher for right now. But always good company to have in your watches because of it's a long-term, consistent profitability. Now Steve and I have said many times that we appreciate our diverse audience. And in fact, we receive caller questions from across America and around the world. So let's take a question now, this time from Denmark.
0: Hello, Steve or Justin, this is Yannick calling from Denmark. I had a question about Altria Group, ticker symbol M-O. It's a tobacco company from America. It has uh, negative assets and my question is, can a company with negative, net negative assets be an uh, attractive investment opportunity? I was reading uh, articles about it and C Alpha, and and they seem to be somewhat bullish. But I was wondering, how can you? Is it a safe investment? It has no price book rating. It's very rare I see this in the stock market. So I would like to hear your opinion. Thank you, and uh, have a wonderful uh, 2022. Bye.
1: This is a a great question and something everybody probably can learn from this call. Hopefully. Now, Altria is a company that's been around a long time, decades and decades and decades. And what you have to understand about the balance sheets of public companies, and that's what you're looking at, book value, that's the the balance sheet, that's a balance sheet metric. What you have to understand is that oftentimes, the balance sheet metrics are very far off from Economic reality. Why? Put simply. Taxes. Think about a building. You're in a building. And you depreciate that building. Over. Let's call it 15 years. 20 years. After 20 years. On your balance sheet. That that asset is worth nothing. It's been depreciated completely. But is it really worth nothing is the is the is the depreciation schedule actually completely accurate probably not it means that building still has a lot of value even though on your balance sheet it may not look like it now if you ever sell that that building you have to you have to book that as a as a gain on asset etc but a company like altria has owned a lot of their assets for many decades. they made acquisitions. They've written them down. Um, there, there, there's just a lot of accounting changes that are simply because of taxes. And so that's why I would ignore that. I think book value, especially in today's day and age, is a bit outdated. And you want to be looking at cash flow, earnings, Of what's happening today. That book value a lot of times is very legacy driven. And a company like Altria has a long legacy and uh, makes the the book value even more distorted than most. Hope that helps. Let's go to Richard in the Bay Area looking at IEA, which is infrastructure and, let's see, Hmm. interesting one here. Do you own it or looking to buy it?
2: I own
0: it. I actually called you about it, um, a month or two ago. Um, I liked it. Uh, you liked it. It went down though, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Um, it's not a big
1: deal. Um, I'm wondering if I should, uh, buy more on it and buy more or stay away from it. It seems like it held, um, some simple moving averages on the weekly chart, but not on the daily chart. Um, so
0: I'm wondering if it's a good time to buy some more. It's not more than. One and
2: a half
1: percent with my portfolio. It's definitely perking up here. It still remains above the two hundred week moving average, with it, which I think is a positive. And supposed to make eighty six cents next year. Uh, there th- for everyone else, this is an infrastructure uh, company, and what they do is they provide infrastructure. Uh, sorry, specialized energy and heavy civil expertise throughout the United States. It has a renewable segment as well as a specialty civil segment, and certainly this is going to help if there are more uh, more more, more government spending around green energy projects and infrastructure projects. Which you had the infrastructure bill, but clearly not enough for this to get 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 exciting um, for for investors. <clears throat> this is a name that's come off dramatically high in the mid twenties uh, early last year. And there, I think you're going to need to get Build Back Better plan passed so that there is even more funding for projects like this. Uh, technically, I think it is improving, um, but you're going to need that Build Back Better plan to be passed. This is one of those uh, potential winners from from that. Um, But it continues to be delayed. So um, I like that it's perking up here. Uh, Valuation-wise, it's definitely on the cheaper side now, especially if they're going to actually earn 86 cents a share. And this would be more of a play of Build Back Better getting passed. Thanks for the call. Now, we've started a new year, so I think it's worth time to take a minute and make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial. We are entering a new year and that means you probably have questions and you need to understand the risk that you're taking in your portfolio and if it is uh, allocated properly for this inflationary environment. And that's why uh, I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review, which we do via telephone or go to meeting. And I can give you some guidance, unbiased guidance, both on and off air and tell you a little bit more about how we practice parallel investing and invest right alongside our clients. So if you need help understanding where you're at and whether your strategy is appropriate, reach out to us through InvestTalk.com or call our KPP financial office in Irvine, California, 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Next up, we'll get back to the invest talk voice bank. So hang on.
2: A quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART.
0: I was calling about Unum Group, ticker symbol U-N-M. I own a small amount. wanted to know if it's worth buying more or just selling. Just seeing what you guys think. Thanks.
1: Uh, This is Unum Group. This is an insurance company. They provide group and individual income protection insurance here in the U.S. and the U.K. It is the largest domestic disability insurer, and it's usually the 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 amount that they uh, sorry they're the largest receiver of premiums generated from employer plans. So the employer kind of gives you blanket coverage for the uh, their employees, and they have long-term care insurance, life insurance, employers. So they so they sell kind of through the employer and they have a lot of brokers and uh, et cetera. So, uh, but fairly large company, about $5 billion market cap. And they did well uh, from the bottom of last year into the summer when interest rates peaked. And I said this before, insurance companies, they do better when interest rates are on the rise. And the fact that interest rates kind of peaked in the summer and have just been trending sideways has brought some weakness to Unum. But you saw like a day like today where Unum was up 3%. Was because the tenure was up so much, and they're uh, they're going to be earning more interest on their their assets. And so, uh, I like this company. They have strong, consistent profitability. The question is, how much has this new job market impacted their their business? Uh, certainly, has in the near term but uh, it looks like they're expected to return to growth in 2022, so this year, of uh, 16% from last year. So I like it, I, I wouldn't be selling it, I would uh, potentially buy more here, especially if you think interest rates will continue to rise over the long term, uh, and we think they will. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom, and our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
0: Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with Klein investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com.
2: Hello, Steve and Justin. This is uh,
0: Dan from Wisconsin. had a question regarding a company called Greif Incorporated. Ticker symbol is GEF, the Consumer Cyclical Packaging Company. Uh, I kind of like it quite a bit. I'm looking at the numbers here. It's kind of bottomed out, and it's on its way back up. Uh, let me know what you think of this. It looks pretty promising to me. It's got some good numbers in certain areas that I don't know about, about all of it. And uh, it would be nice to hear your opinion.
2: Thank you. Bye.
1: All right. Looking at grief, G-R-I-E-I-F is how you spell it. Manufactures steel, fiber, plastic drums, bulk containers, closure systems, and water bottles. So it's a packaging company, industrial packaging company. And... Historically, its profitability is pretty solid, but certainly had a big tailwind from the pandemic. Return equity is 29%, which it never came close to that. Now, pre-pandemic, they were definitely near higher margins than they typically would have. 2019 return equity was 15%, 2018 was 19%. They hadn't reached the teens uh, for the previous five years on that. So they were already cyclically high then. Uh, and the pandemic has definitely helped them. Cash flow trailing 12 months, very, very strong. $250 million trailing 12 months, and it's only a $3 billion market cap. So free cash flow yield, pretty nice. I do think they're over earning. I think that, that you're going to have a, a return to somewhere close to about $4 when the uh, 2019 earnings were, and 2021 earnings were $5.60, supposed to make $6.15 in 2022, $6.23 next year. So growth is definitely slowing on that front. So if you bring it back to $4 in earnings, I think this is probably modestly, uh, value or, or, uh, modestly overvalued. And the technicals are now weak, below broke below the 200 moving average and is trending negatively. So uh, I think this is a name I'd probably keep on my watch list, but I wouldn't buy it here, especially because valuations are a bit stretched and the technicals are weakening. That was grief. GEF is the symbol. Now let's close with 10 economic trends that are likely to define this year. The first is declining birth rates. And... This is lowering global economic growth and it fell at a fastest pace during the pandemic, including a dramatic drop in China. 51 countries have shrinking working age populations. That's up from 17 in 2000. So demographic shifts continue to get worse and having babies definitely helps the economy. And that's not really happening worldwide. Number two, peak China, China accounted for one quarter of global GDP growth last year down from a third pre-pandemic. And this is the fact that China is turning inward and focusing less on exports because they don't need to produce as much jobs. They're trying to t- transition from a kind of middle economy to a large economy, GDP per capita, et cetera, and they need to turn inward. And that's why you're seeing this shift away from the property sector, and uh, and there's just no need for that. Debt trap. Global debt grew even faster during the pandemic, driven by government borrowing. Now, 25 countries have a total debt above 300% of GDP. That's up from zero in the mid-90s. So U.S. and China are included. Remember, that's that's the combining public and private debt. Inflation. Now, clearly, fewer workers talked about the demographic issue. More government spending. All this created higher inflation, but still less than double-digit levels than we saw in the 1970s. But we're going to see government spending ease this year, and continue. uh, Technologies continue to advance, so that's going to be a deflationary uh, effect. But still, inflation is going to run relatively hot. And connected to that is greenflation, meaning all the aspects of Transitioning to a green economy, you're going to need a lot of raw materials—copper, aluminum, etc.—and the lack of investment in mines and oil fields means sharply higher prices and broad commodity prices going higher and inflation on that side. Productivity has also been relatively weak. Uh, localization of data from internet traffic, so a lot of company countries are being restrictive, including China, Saudi Arabia, India—they're all. Preventing their data from going outside the country. And that's something that's going to, uh, I think, persist. So, interesting year ahead. And thank you again. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends about our free podcast downloads, now over 37.5 million. Thanks to you. You can get yours anytime on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to rate and review. And if you leave a question with your review, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because
2: of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered